And they say that you, the guitar players spend half their life tuning their guitar and the other half playing out of tune. So I think we're about there. Good enough. All right. The sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for. The fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, but day spring is at hand. streams of earth I've tasted more deep I'll drink above there too in ocean fullness is mercy doth expand and glory glory dwelleth in Was he singing along with us? I think he was. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad he wants to get up here. Okay, for tonight, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Not doing our verse-by-verse -verse study, but I have a message to preach from Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. So if you'll take your Bible and turn with me there, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Fifth book of the New Testament. And we'll begin reading there in just a moment. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the ice skating outing. and um, It's going to be a good time together. And something else I want to do with the kids, because I saw Sean last night at that wedding reception. He's the boy that got saved here after Sunday morning service about a month ago. And he works and works out of town already at his age. But just ask him how he's doing and everything. And um, saw another boy that's been in and out of here, and he's starting football. So I asked him when they're meeting for the – he had a word for it, what they start doing, conditioning, I think it is. 
And I said, when do you meet? And he said, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I think I'm going to put together something on Fridays, just for a limited time, something where I can just get together with just the uh, young people and just do a little bit of discipling on Friday nights, maybe at our house, maybe do something like a movie night one time and um, see what I can do there to try to help them along. But Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and we'll just read. Well, let's go ahead and pick up verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thankful tonight for this time to get together for a second time on Sunday for a preaching service. And Lord, I pray that during this service, that you'd give some teaching to the saints of God, and Lord, I pray that you'd um, just encourage us, nudge us in the right direction, the direction of reaching out with the gospel and promoting the cause of the gospel, and Lord, help this little church, uh, Father, to make a dent in the uh, darkness of this area. Help us to be busy working until Jesus comes. Lord, one of these days, the time is going to run out, either our lives will come to an end, or Jesus will return, and I pray that it's the second one, Lord. Uh, but in the meantime, I pray, Father, that we can get to work as a church, that you would empower us, that you would stir up our hearts, Lord. We can't do it in the flesh. It wouldn't work anyhow. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd stir up our hearts. Uh, Father, the, the, the embers that are in our hearts that are uh, kind of going a little bit uh, cold on us, Lord, I pray you'd stir them up and, and build a fire back up within us and a real concern for souls uh, in this area, not just to see them saved, um, that's certainly what we want to do, but Lord, just to see you work and how you put lives back together and all the good things that happens when the, when the gospel enters into a life and into a home. And uh, Lord, uh, that we can, might see that repeated in Jesus' name, amen. So tonight I have a message I want to preach called Reaching Your Jerusalem, and it's just a simple message to give us a charge to be busy with the gospel, spreading the gospel. I know it's a simple message. If I told you what it was about this Sunday morning, uh, people might not come out because it's just something that we think, well, we've heard that before and, uh, and, and we've tried that before, that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, it's something that we need to be stirred up with. We need for somebody to deal with us about this subject. Every one of us, myself included, needs to be encouraged to do this. And so I want to talk about this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 primarily. But in 2023, think of these sobering numbers. It's estimated that the world population in 2023 will exceed 8 billion people. That's incredible, isn't it? It's already up over 7.75. Of the 8 billion in the world, 75% will be atheists or Muslim or Catholic or some cult or some Eastern religion. 75%. 1,800 people die in an hour in America. 
according, according to uh, bioethics.georgetown.edu, in the United States, 2.6 million people die each year. That is 7,123 each day, 297 each hour, passing off into eternity, and five each minute. That means that during this message, about an hour and a half long, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. During this message, in about 30 minutes, seriously though, 150 people will depart this life. And they're going to go to one of two different destinations. I mean, that's what the Bible says. You have to ask yourself, do you really believe it? Do you really believe this? Five people each minute, just another one gone. Another one gone. Another one gone. In a minute, five people are gone. Now, those people, the Lord knows the condition of their soul, right? The Lord knows. Some of those people are elderly folks that dearly love the Lord, and they say, I'm ready to go home. Some of those people are children in Children's Hospital in Columbus. Some of those people are driving down the road, heading off to work, They think they've got the whole week ahead of them, and they don't. Some of those people go to sleep, and they don't wake up in the morning. Just various different things. Some of those people climb up on a ladder, (laughs) you know, and their lives end in various different ways. Here's the thing. If we really believed this, that people are going to head out into eternity to one of two places, we would be seriously busy trying to do something about it. Now, I want you to notice, if you pick this up in verse 5, in verse 6, rather, here's the disciples, and uh, there's an, uh, an interview, really, between the disciples and Jesus, and this is taking place during one of his post-resurrection appearances. This took place in the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. He met with his disciples in Jerusalem, and there were 11 of them there, and, and, and he was... He was telling them to wait there and wait for the Holy Spirit to come to empower them to be able to go with the gospel. And if you're familiar with Luke's gospel, uh, the road to Emmaus, remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? That's one of the resurrection appearances. Jesus appeared to these two men and just started to teach them about all the things in the Old Testament that pertain to him. And he was saying, you remember the rock in the wilderness? That's me. You remember the tabernacle on the ark? That's me. You remember, uh, you know, Moses parting the Red Sea? You know, I did that. Um, he was just going through all of this. I'm the last Adam. You know the first Adam? I'm the last Adam. I bring an end to death. And just going through this, and as the two disciples on the road to Emmaus were walking and talking with Jesus, they began to realize, this is the Lord. And their hearts started to burn within them, and they were loving it, loving the Bible teaching. And then they they tried to get him to come in and have a meal with them, and he, he went ahead and did that. And then he disappeared from their sight. Next thing you know, those two disciples go to the eleven in Jerusalem. They say, we saw him. We saw the risen Lord. He's alive. It's real. We saw the prince in his hands when he put his hands out to bless the food. And and then Jesus appeared in their midst to the eleven and is teaching them. And what they want to know 
after proving that it's it's him and you know and and he he said uh, you know feel the prints of my hands uh here you, you don't believe that I'm a real body that you you don't believe that uh you're you know maybe I'm a I'm an imposter or something uh you believe that maybe I'm like a spirit and some kind of a just a vision no I'm real and he said give me some of that broiled fish give me some of that honeycomb and he ate that in front of them with his resurrection body which hallelujah that proves that we're going to be able to eat in eternity. Amen. I love food. I told Beth, I said, listen, I need to take a break from white flour and sugar. I said, I'm serious. I'm taking a break. You know what we had for lunch? We were talking about where to go, and she said, I just don't feel like going out, and I want something easy, and I don't want it to cost too much. She said, let's just go to Hill's Gas Station. (laughs) So we got pizza. They got good pizza. So here we got the pizza, and you know, we got the regular crust, and then they give you two liters of, of pop. And uh, so there we are drinking pop, sugar, and eating white flour, and it tasted good. But, you know, I love eating, and I love it a little bit too much. But the Lord appeared to them, and you know what they want to know after they get some food? They want to know about prophecy. They want to know about the kingdom. Verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They still want to know. When's it going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And he's, it's a mystery. Not for them to know. But they said, are you going to do it at this time? Is it time? And he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons. And he tried to redirect their thinking away from eschatology, away from prophecy, away from the kingdom. And he said, here's the immediate task at hand. Verse 8, the gospel. You've got a job to do first. You've got to go with the gospel. So it's good for us to come to church. What I'm trying to say is I enjoy coming to church, learning prophecy. I mean, I'm, I'm going to love this study in the book of Acts in Sunday school, uh, Wednesday night talking about marriage and, and, and its origins and things like that and, and why we do wedding ceremonies, why we don't just move in together. Uh, we're going to enjoy this stuff. Before that, we were studying Hosea, um, studying prophecy and all these things, the tribulation. We're going through the tribulation halfway through, uh, you know, the mark of the beast. I enjoy all that, but look, we've got to keep it real. And we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing, as they say. And the main thing is the gospel. He says, you shall receive power. Now I have four points. It's right here in the verse tonight. I have four points. But as I get started, I want to say, we can do some things in our flesh. We can do some things in our flesh. But we won't have the power, really, to get a job done for God Unless we tarry in our own Jerusalem, and that's here, tarry in our own Jerusalem and pray for the Holy Spirit. The Lord says he will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. Now, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit within you. But I'm talking about a special empowering for service, which is what the Wednesday night prayer meeting is supposed to be about. I don't think people understand why we come to church. I think that a church dropping a Sunday night proves that they don't understand what a Sunday night church service was for. And folks not coming out to church on Wednesday night for the prayer meeting means they do not understand the mission of the church. Wednesday night is like the engine where we get the power, the combustion, to be able to power this thing. we got to come on Wednesday night and pray the Holy Spirit down and so that we can receive power to go. And I, there's, you know, Lord help us in our prayer meeting. I want to get something going in our prayer meeting, and it just, 
hasn't happened. Regardless, he says, tarry. We've got to learn to tarry for the Lord and tarry for him to empower us, give us wisdom, show us what to do, and then go out in his strength and in his power. That's the first part of verse 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he's going to empower us to do what? To be witnesses. To be witnesses. What's a witness? A witness testifies to what they've seen and heard, right? Well, you can testify to this. You can testify that I know Jesus has risen from the grave because he came into my life. He saved my soul. He gave me assurance of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, and he has changed my life and turned it all around, and I feel the warmth of God's love in my heart when I hear the word of God preached in church and when I hear a good song and those kind of things, and I know that God answers because he answers prayer. I know he's there, and I, if you go into a room and it's dark and you hold out your hand, you can't see anybody, and somebody puts something in your hand, you know that somebody's there, right? Well, we pray, we ask the Lord for things, and he answers prayer. Amen. And uh, you say, well, I want to be a witness. I do, preacher. You don't have to convince me. I want to be a witness. How are we to do it? How are we to do it? Well, number one, witness to your family first. Let's say you're saved or you've just recently rededicated your life to the Lord and you are getting serious about this thing and you want to know, how do I do it? If the Holy Spirit's going to empower me, what does he want me to do? Where will he lead me to go? He'll lead you to go to your family first, your Jerusalem. You see that? Be witnesses unto me, both in, number one, Jerusalem, number two, Judea, number three, Samaria, and number four, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Your family is like your Jerusalem. You see, they were there in Jerusalem when Jesus met with them and when he was talking with them. That was like the center of all religious activity. The Orthodox Jews were there in Jerusalem. The strongest of the Jewish believers were in that city. That was the capital of southern Israel. And he says, you start here. You know where you need to start in your life? With your family. Somebody has said the church today is raising a whole generation of mules. They know how to sweat and work hard, but they don't know how to reproduce themselves. You know, and that's what the church is like. We know how to do a lot of things, get a lot of programs going, a lot of energy, a lot of noise. But we don't know how to reproduce ourselves. Do you know how to reproduce Christians? You know, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what sheep do. Sheep reproduce. Well, you start with your family. You start as a witness to your family. And I would start alone with God in prayer, saying, Oh, God, my dad is not saved. Oh, God, my mother is deceived. Oh, God, my daughter, my son, my nephew, my grandson... They're not saved. Lord, would you save so-and-so? Simple prayer. It's not how elegant your prayer is. It's how fervent in your heart you're praying this prayer and your faith, and it's a great God that we're praying to. Amen. Start with a prayer meeting with God. 
And then when you start with your family, start with personal testimonies. Tell them what happened to you. Tell them your story. It's powerful. A grandparent telling a grandchild their story is powerful stuff. I'm telling you. A hug from grandpa. <laughs> powerful stuff. My dad witnessing to his uh, grandchildren, my sister's boys, and just loving them through all their crazy ideas and bad choices today has made a difference. I'm telling you. I have a nephew who has gone through a lot of things. I guess I probably shouldn't talk about all his personal business, especially when it's going out on the Internet. Let me just tell you this. If your family is dealing with some crazy stuff, every family is, okay? And he's made some wrong choices and done a lot of things, but through it all, my grandpa, my dad would hug him, and uh, grandpa would tell him, I love you. I, I can't accept what you're doing right now. It's not a good choice. God is against it. But I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm hoping that, that you'll repent and one day trust Jesus as your Savior. Giving him that, that message. And you know what's happened? Today, this particular, uh, my nephew, this particular boy, is now a grown man, and he's a good worker and holds down a job. No problem there. But he's actually going to church with his girlfriend, the girlfriend that he got with, and now they're married, and they have their first child, and I think another one on the way. She's a Christian, and she goes to church, and he's going to church with her. So I'm, I'm looking forward to any day now finding out that he got saved. You see, reach your family. Do what you can do, but tell your story. You know how you got saved. You were there when it happened. And it means more when you tell your story. Um, <clears throat> invite a family member to a special evangelistic meeting. I told you about my aunt. She was invited to uh, a, a, a meeting where there was going to be a sports figure who was going to be given a talk and talking about their Christian faith. And this particular sports figure was of interest to her and, and her children. So she went... She heard this athlete give their Christian testimony, and she ended up trusting Christ at the end of the meeting. And my mom texted me and was, you won't believe it. You won't believe what just happened. And I said, praise the Lord. And you see, I'd been praying. I'd been praying for my family, too. Take them to things like that. Take them, most importantly, to Sunday morning church. Did you know Sunday morning church is designed to be evangelistic? Sunday night is to teach the saints. Sunday night's for the saints of God. Sunday morning is an evangelistic meeting. That's why you won't grow if all you're doing is coming to church on Sunday morning. You need more than that. Take them to church. I heard a country song about that. I want to go to church. And, you know, some of the things that said in there weren't exactly right, but I like the sentiment, I want to go to church, and I'm glad we got that kind of culture in America. I want to go to church. I want to hear a preacher preach and, and say a verse, you know, and Amen. Take them to church. For some reason, it's popular. In popular music, you hear about church. You hear about the Bible. Let's capitalize on that. And, uh, and then here's the thing. They're not going to come the first time you invite them. They might not even come the second, third, or fourth time. They might come the tenth time you invite them. They finally come. And then when they do, say, all right, come, come with me next Sunday. And then if you're having a hard time keeping them in, say this. Say Come with me for a month of Sundays, and then I'll leave you alone. But just keep on them until they do that, and give God's word time to work on them, because that's what it takes. In church meetings, they make sound converts, okay? Take them to, you know, uh, concerts. A lot of times there'll be Christian testimonies at concerts, revival meetings. 
You can share the word of God with them. We'll talk a little bit more about evangelism and how to actually do it. But uh, also, and secondly, number two, witness to your friends. Jerusalem is like your family. Judea is like your friends. Judea is getting a little bit farther away from Jerusalem. And Judea, that's like not the Orthodox Jews, but just the regular Jewish people, the less religious people. Judea is spreading out, and it it includes all of southern uh, Israel, and that's like our friends. Judea's witnessing to your friends. Pray for them, first of all. Pray for your friends. Tell them your story again. Invite them to church. Do these kind of things. I'm telling you, it works. Be a good friend. Come to church and learn how to be a good friend. Learn how to have good character. Hopefully that's what we're going to be learning and picking up in church. Um, be a good friend. Be there when other people won't be there. I have a friend who calls me, and he will call me, and he told me the other night. Now, this has been going on for years, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I hope he gets saved. But he's one of my friends who hasn't yet. But this has been going on for years, and he called me the other night, and he said, all of our other Army buddies won't talk to me, except for, and he said another guy's name. And he said, now just the other night, he called me a loser and called me about everything in the book and said to stop calling him. And I talked to him, you know what? And when he talks to me, I try to encourage him. I try to say anything good that I can. I try to ask him about how his family's going, his kids. You know, uh, I, try to, I try to be a friend to him, you know what I'm saying? And he told me at the end of one of these conversations, usually when he's, he's about ready to pass out, he'll say, I've got to get off the phone. And I'm talking to him, and he says, you're the only one that I call and talk to that doesn't treat me like I'm a bum. And uh, I just, you know, I just took that, and I'm glad that he said that. But you see, I'm hoping that it's going to get across to him eventually. And that's my friend. I'm trying to witness to him. But be a good friend. Recognize their birthday. Go visit them. Go see them. That kind of thing. I'm planning on going to Buffalo, New York pretty soon. And going and seeing him and finally taking him to church somewhere. Be a good friend. Write letters to those that are far away that you can't visit. Write a letter because then you, 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 uh, they can't argue with a letter. You can explain yourself. Write a letter to them. Just do everything that you can. Listen, again, if you, if you believe that people are dying and going out into eternity, five people a minute... Well, what's to say that my friend in Buffalo, the next time that it snows and, and they get like six feet of snow and he's out there shoveling his sidewalk, and I've seen pictures of him doing it, and it's like you can see the top of his toboggan and just snow going up in the air. Men have heart attacks every winter just trying to shovel their sidewalk in their driveway. What's to say he isn't going to be the next one? Well, i got to do something. i got to do all that I can. Be a witness to your friends in Judea. Be a witness thirdly to the folks in your area and simply put we are witnesses that Jesus Christ is God's son. He is alive. He stands ready to save you. He died for our sins but he rose again from the grave and he is in heaven and he opened up a new and living way and the only way to get to heaven is by trusting in a person, not a thing, not your religion, not your prayer life. Not anything, not your church attendance, but trusting in a person. Let me tell you how he saved me 
but be a witness to the folks in your area. Now, we can do this. We can witness to our Samaria in several different ways. You see that? Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria. Samaria is north of Jerusalem, north of Judea. Jerusalem's a city. Judea is kind of like the region. Samaria is the region north of Judea. It's about in the middle of Israel, where it is on the map. And the capital of this area is Samaria. That's the capital city. That place was filled with half-breeds, with mixed people. They were half-Jewish, half-something else. And they were despised, especially by the Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem. They were despised. Okay, so go to these despised people. You might find people out in your area, and you say, I despise them. That, that's the old you. The new you is not allowed to do that. You treat everybody like a soul for whom Christ has died. No matter what they look like, what color their skin is, how big they are, how small they are, how nice they are, how mean they are. As far as I'm concerned, the meaner meaner they are, and even if they drive down the road in front of me with their pickup truck and hit the diesel and make that black smoke come out all over the place, and I'm trying to hit that button real quick before it gets into my car, even that person, I want to reach that person with the gospel. It doesn't matter. Go to those people that are despised. And try to win them to Christ. Be a witness to the folks in your area, your family, your friends, and the folks. We can do this through rest home ministry. Brother Adam's been talking to me about that. We'd like to get back in there, and we can now. Uh, Brother Keith White, he does it with his wife. And uh, we're looking at getting into one. Now, for this, we could really use a hug and a smile team. It's good to have somebody that can preach. It's good to have somebody that can play piano. Amen. Um, but it's good to just have a team of people that can just go in there and sit down in a chair beside somebody that may get one visit, may get one visit a month, maybe. And you can be a hug and a smile partner and be on that team and just go in there and sit beside them. The place doesn't smell good. I'm telling you, it's like going to Samaria. It doesn't smell good. It's not pretty. You're going to hear things, you know. But guess what? Brother Keith told me somebody else just got saved. You see, it's a field. It's a harvest. And we need to go in there. And not just that, not just for souls, but to see people encouraged. You know what it's like. You've seen it going through that stage of life. You can be in there and just be a hug and smile team member. And go with us. And go with us. This is how you can reach folks in your area. And if you don't think that gives our church a reputation in this area as a church who cares, just go and talk to the people in there, because it does. Um, This means track saturation. I can take the young people and go throughout the whole community and put out tracks, and we need to do that. Not everybody goes to church, believe me. We can do that, take the young people, saturate this area with tracks. The, the, the houses that are in the outlying areas, we can have a ministry where people sit down with a list of addresses or a telephone book. These days, you probably just get it online or get it from the post office and just start sending one item to each house. Just sit down and just go through it as fast as you can. Something that you'd get, to, get together on a weekly basis and do that. Put it in there, drop it in the mailbox. You say it costs money for the postage. Five souls. Five souls. Every hour are going somewhere. We got money in the bank. Money's not a problem. 
I'm just saying, just some ideas. Door-to-door uh, -door witnessing. You say, oh, come on now. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses do. That, the cults started doing that in America long after real Christians had been doing it for 2,000 years. Okay? So they weren't the ones that started that. And uh, like I said uh, last time, I, I talk, talked about the uh, over there in Afghanistan, those Muslims, the, uh, the radical extremists are going door to door in Afghanistan looking for Christians. And if they find Christians, they might shoot dad on the spot. If they find Christian girls, they take them. It's not a might. They take them. They marry them to Muslim men and re-indoctrinate them with the Islam faith. They take the boys. They re-indoctrinate them with their lies, and they make them soldiers. This is what's happening in Afghanistan. They're going door to door. Why is it that the devil's people are so energetic and enthusiastic about their cause, but you can't get God's people to go door to door? Just a thought. You know, we'll take criticism from Laodicea and lukewarm churchgoers in this area that would criticize us from going door to door. You know, I've been criticized by worse. A woman criticized D.L. Moody for his methods of evangelism and attempting to win people to the Lord. You know, that great evangelist from Chicago. And Moody replied to this woman, I agree with you. I don't like the way that I do it either. I don't like the way I evangelize. Tell me, how do you do it? The woman replied, I don't do it. Moody retorted, then I like the way that I do it better than the way that you don't do it. Amen? Don't forget this. This is an important element. To be active in going with the gospel, to put the go into the gospel, you've got to live the gospel. The best advertisement for this church is you living the gospel out in your lives, and me, and me too. You know, and speaking about advertisement, you'd be surprised how many people I've talked to, maybe at Subway or gas station or Family Dollar, or just talking to them on the street or meeting people here and there, uh, maybe at the Legion or whatever, in the park, talking to folks in the park. You'd be surprised how many people I've talked to that says, antiquity? Where's that? You would be surprised. They don't even know where we are because we don't have a very good location for, you know, reaching this area, but I'm thankful for the location we have, okay? I'm thankful. But, but we need to, we probably should have a, like some signage at major intersections and do that for a while, do like a campaign of that for a while, and really just where people are seeing it. There's that sign again, there's that sign again, and show people where we are, and that track saturation, that would be good too. Uh, you can, I've heard of church ministries putting out calendars from the Trinitarian Bible Society, a calendar that has like a, I mean, they, they make them up for you, and they give them to you at a discounted rate, but it has like nice pictures on it and Bible verses, and on the back you can have a map where your church is and your church information, service time, so on and so forth. And they, they take those calendars and they pass them out. It's a real non-threatening way to go door to door to kind of let people know. You see, when you, when you put out that church invitation track, it, you're, yes, you want ultimately this to lead to the salvation of somebody's soul, but it also does a lot of good just to say, we're here, 
We're a church that's busy trying to serve the Lord. We're here. You never know, it might be a special meeting, might be one thing or another, maybe uh, trying to do something for people uh, where we are taking donations. You never know what we might be doing, but just say we're here. Might be somebody dies and they need a pastor. You just never know what it might be um, saying that we're here. Can I say this? I don't know how you feel about this church, but I got to talking to a, a young man at the wedding reception. His name is Ben, and he gave me a really nice compliment. And he said, uh, I was on this website. It's a, it's a preaching website that he likes. And he said, I was on this website, and on that site with this certain preacher that I really like, at, at the bottom of that site, there was a find a good church in your area little thing you could click on. So he clicked on it. He put in the zip code for this area, and our church came up because of Sermon Audio. Praise the Lord. Our church came up. And uh, um, Brianna is a friend of his, so he wants to know, is she going to a good church? You know, because he goes to a good church. And Well, he got to listening and listening to my preaching, and he told her, this is his words. Now, he didn't tell me this. I had to talk to her, and she told me that he said this because he's, oh, he's just uh, he's smart. He's not trying to puff me up. But um, she, he told her that if there was any other church that you could go to other than mine, he said, I would want you to go there because he said it's, it's sound preaching. Now, praise the Lord. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. You know, toot, toot. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to say is you might feel like we don't have anything to offer, but let me tell you what's better than that. The preaching is important, I understand. Let me tell you what's better than that. Uh, a friendly church. People coming in to a friendly church. So there needs to be signage. Let me tell you another thing we can do. We'll move on to the last point and we'll go home. Another thing we can do that I'd really like to do is when people come as a first-time visitor, I want to be better on following up with them. And what gave me this idea was... When uh, a couple that used to go here and they go somewhere else, and, and I praise the Lord that they're going to church, but they're going somewhere else. But when they came to my house, when I was in the rental house over there in Leetart and, and Beth and I were there, they just came up to the door. They knocked on the door. They had been out going to Amish country or something, and they came back with these huge donuts that you can only get over there. And they're just smiling. They're like, we just really want you to try these donuts. They're amazing. You might call us crazy, but uh, sorry to bother you. We just want you to try these donuts. And I thought, no, this is, this is great. I said, you guys would make really good visitation partners because you're just smiling, you are, uh, you're pleasant, and uh, who wouldn't like to open up their door and see somebody there? But we could give them a gift bag that somebody else could come up with to make it look nice, a little gift bag, maybe a little devotional book or a calendar, uh, a mug or something. I don't know a little book to help them and, and the Christian faith, and a, a gospel track, obviously. I've gone to one church that did that before in my life, and it really made a good impression, I thought. So just a nice idea to be that kind of church, to take the extra uh, step to, be, to make a, that kind of an impression. Now, lastly, we talked about your family, talked about your friends, talked about the folks in the area, Finally, don't forget our witness to foreign countries. 
He says, you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And you know, by the end of the book of Acts, they had reached Rome. That was the extent of the known world, Rome. That was the known world. And they had reached it by the end of the book of Acts. Now, he's talking about the uttermost part of the earth, talking about Papua New Guinea. Did you know in Papua New Guinea, they still have multiple wives? Isn't that interesting? Uh, Muslim countries, multiple wives, polygamy, uh, China, different places, they still do that. Um, People have gone to these countries, gone with the gospel and reached them, and people are still needed to go. Can I give you a heartwarming story before we close? Gladys Aylward just watched another show about her, watched a cartoon show with the kids this afternoon. Gladys Aylward, she's that little woman about five feet tall, lived in London in the uh, early part of the 1900s. She died in 1970. But she brought over 100 children from the province of Yangchen across the treacherous mountains of China under enemy fire from Japan. Japan was attacking China. They were in a war. She was escaping with these children to protect them because the soldiers were coming. The Japanese soldiers were going to kill them. So she fled. Just this little woman with 65 children at first. She kept getting them here and there and adopting these children. People were just leaving them to die. They didn't have food to take care of them. They'd leave them at the footstep of the inn that she ran as an evangelistic uh, mission house. She suffered during this trip across the mountains. She suffered pneumonia, typhus, relapsing fever, malnutrition, and supreme exhaustion, they called it. And during her journey, she remained uh, physically weak during that last part of the journey. And as a result of that, for the rest of her life, she had physical weakness. She never did recover. Think of all the things that a missionary will go through to reach people with the gospel. But despite all this, she continued her mission work to orphans throughout the rest of her life in the Orient, in the Orient and in England. She continued to reach kids and start orphanages. One of the orphans that she rescued was named Chuen. When Chuen grew up, he returned to Yangchen and he preached the gospel in his village where it all started to a people who were under communism. It was a dangerous thing to do. But he preached the gospel to that village, and later on, one of his converts came to tell her what happened and the success of the gospel in that province because the gospel went out. And you know that lady? You, you remember me telling you about her. She was rejected by the Missionary Society, She just decided to get on a train and go through Russia and go to China, and she did, and God used her wonderfully. And by the time she finally got to the village for safety and away from the war, she didn't arrive with 65 kids. She arrived with over 100. She kept picking up more and more and more. And those kids were, many of them, one to Christ. Now, the woman that she lived with, Jenny Lawson, she paid the roadside inn ministry. She paid for that with her pension. They just went with what they had. What we do for missionaries today is we don't send them on their retirement. We support them. Local churches support them. They do deputation. 
They go maybe to uh, 4,000 churches, some of them, on deputation. They need 80 churches to support them. Our church is going to support a missionary for $100 a month going forward. That's what needs to happen, $100 a month. And what will happen is, is if, they have, if they have 80 churches supporting them, not all of them at that same amount, but they, they look at what they need on their field, and that way when they get there, they're not having to teach English or do something else to try to pay for what they're doing. Gladys Aylward, after uh, Mrs. Lawson died, Gladys wasn't sure how they were going to do it. She thought we we're going to have to tear down the inn and shut it down and, and be done with it. But then she ended up making money working for the government, uh, working with women whose, whose feet were really small because they practiced foot binding, which was an oppressive thing to do to women. And she actually ended up freeing women in that province of that foot binding issue. But she made money, and the uh, Mandarin of that province was actually won to Christ as a result of her testimony. A little woman with a big God, and she did other great things for God. What I'm trying to say, folks, is she did that on her own dime. Now, we don't let missionaries do that these days. We support them. We send them. And our goal is to support foreign missionaries with 10% of our church budget, and we're not doing that. We need to. But we should do this, as I said, per month for a missionary. And that money, 100% of that money, every dollar, every penny, goes right to the missionary. It goes through a clearinghouse, so it doesn't cost them money to send it to them. It goes right to the missionary, their family, and their children. How can you, as we close, how can you contribute to the cause of the gospel? With your family, think about your family, think about your friends, think about the folks in the area, think about foreigners. How can you contribute? A mission uh, trip would be a great idea, I think just to go see what it's like, just to get your heart stirred up about it. But have you really sat down and thought about it? How can I reach my friends? Have you sat down and thought about how can a church really effectively reach the area? Maybe you got a great idea and we don't know about it. Maybe you should tell us about it, you know? How can we reach the area? We sit down and we will sit down and plan for everything else. Our retirement, we will sit down and plan for our own death. We will go out and buy our own headstone. We'll buy our own plot. We'll buy our own casket. Will we not? You'll sit down and plan for everything else. Why not this? Why not plan for how we can be the most effective in going with the gospel? Let us plan prayerfully when we do. And I'd like to ask you to meet me here Wednesday night at 7 p.m., so that we can pray about this. I'd like to do something just a little bit differently on Wednesday night. I'd like to ask you men that would like to participate to be ready. And I'd like for three men to pray. And I want it to be real informal in the beginning. I'd like for three men to pray. And what I want to do is just, just one at a time, just pray for a brief amount of time. And pray over the items that we have and anything that's on your heart. And we're going to pray with the major theme of reaching our Jerusalem, reaching our Jerusalem on Sunday night. And every Sunday night, or every Wednesday night, excuse me, I want to pray for souls. I really want to pray for souls. And maybe you say, i got a great idea for a prayer walk. Pastor, we ought to do a prayer walk. Something like, I don't know, you, got, you might have ideas that I have not even thought about. You know, advertising on Facebook, there's a lot of different things we can do. 
But let's, let's just be praying about that. And what will happen is the Lord will, will say, Lord, give us the wisdom. Show us how to reach this area. Show us, there's people, Lord, you know behind which door there's a soul there you want us to reach. So let's go ahead and bow.